Continuing on. Gregor, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley with you. Hey, boys, will TR ever be in studio? Would love to drop by and have him sign my Habs jersey from Sean. Uh, yes, Sean, uh, we are planning uh, a road trip uh, to have uh, TR coming out here. We're just... Uh, uh, looking at schedules, obviously the, it'll uh, have to uh, be after. There's some uh, talk about, of course, uh, the season three shooting for uh, Shorzy, so that'll obviously uh, impact things a little bit. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll be here. Maybe we'll just send him a contract, and he'll think he's coming out here for some sort of photo shoot, and then uh, we'll have him doing like a uh, some sort of uh, you know uh, he'll be like Kramer. He'll have to do like uh, show up. It'll be a little bit easier. We won't make you fight or anything, but uh, maybe you could be like an underwear model without knowing it. That'd be good, ATR. <laughs> oh, God, I love how your head went there. I love Seinfeld, as I've mentioned. Oh, and I know every single episode, so as soon as you say it, it makes me laugh. Oh, God. I... Remember when he walks in the room and he's trying to be all cool and he leans on the wall and slides oh, yeah. down? Oh, my God. Down. He was so such good a good comedy. physical actor, right? Like physical comedy. God, he was funny. Yeah. It's And, you know, I'm I'm watching them all now with my daughter, like straight through. And because at some point... I was like, you know, I think she'll find some some of these shows funny. I think she's ready. So, but I don't know. Six months ago, we're almost through. But uh, yeah, she comments, and I, it was so, like when you read the script. And now that I know, actually, in the nineties, I didn't really know. You're reading a script, and now you really appreciate what Michael Richards did to that role because like none of that is in the script. No, you know what I mean. Like yeah. he at, and if you were looking at the very beginning, he's like shades of Kramer, but he's not really. And then all of us, and the live studio audience at times, I think helped. Because he would walk in and people would go crazy, and he kind of fed off that. And anyway, I've, I've read a little bit about it; I'm really into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a level of of uh, physical humor in a sitcom that I'm tr- maybe Jack Tripper from Three's Company, maybe <laughs> yeah. him. Remember, oh. he used to fall over. I don't think he was close to Kramer, but I think maybe Kramer might have taken some cues. Remember, he used to fall over the couch. Oh, yes. It was the only other person I remember in a sitcom being so reliant on the physical part. Yeah, no, that's very true. And, of course, uh, Suzanne Somers uh, passed away at the age of 76, speaking of uh, uh, Chrissy no. Snow and, um, and Three's Company. That. Yeah, it was the day before she turned 77. So uh, uh, rest in peace to her. She was, uh, oh, she was very good as Chrissy Snow, man, hilarious. So Now, let's, uh, it is the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Hope you're having a, a wonderful day. Thanks, as always, for tuning in live on the radio and watching on Orders Nation YouTube as we get to our uh, football report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home. The no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Plan ahead. Stay warm all winter at LegacyHeating.ca. And our uh, regular Monday guest at uh, 4 o'clock, Andy Petrillo from, of course, uh, Soccer One Soccer and uh, CBC Sports uh, joins us. And uh, Andy uh, not a great showing. Now I know it's only a friendly, but uh, and, and Japan did spank Germany four to one as well. But man, um, it wasn't a great look here. Uh, moving Alfonso Davies to defense, we're like, hey, this is going to be great. Eh, it didn't really work out that way. Now, well, I wanted to start off by saying these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> You're an earlier watcher of Seinfeld. You know exactly where that Beautiful. line is from. Yeah, it was um, it was a bitter pill to swallow because I think a lot, you know, we were all excited to see the Canadian men back on the pitch. But at the same time, I mean, Japan had won their last four international matches, all by four or more goals. We knew it was going to be a tough test. Uh, the Canadians were also without Stefan Eustachio, who is huge in that midfield. And I don't care what anybody says, in soccer... Your midfield, I mean, that's your glue. Yep. That's basically where everything stems from because a lot of times your midfielders defensively, they're involved in the creative play up front. Stephanie Eustachio is that guy. 
and he suffered like a last minute injury on the Sunday night, still flew out to Japan on the Monday because he got injured with his club team, still flew out. Uh, but Canada Soccer did their own assessment on him and said, we can't you know, take this risk. And it really just fell apart. So that's now five straight games for Japan, you know, where they score four or more goals. They score in the second minute against Canada. Horrible start. Yep. Alfonso Davies, who, yeah, I mean, he's arguably, he is one of the best left backs in the world. But I just, and it's not just him. It was almost everybody looked a little too casual out there. And at one point, you know, for that second goal, he's tracking back. But there was just something casual about the way he was tracking back. And you could say the ball took a funny bounce. But again, if he was a little bit more aggressive in his positioning, it wouldn't have bounced off his knee and then bounced off Milan Borian's face and into the net. It doesn't get more embarrassing than that. Like even Borian looks up at him like, I don't even know what to say to you. This is like all this so embarrassing. And I mean, it was four nothing before Junior Hoylake gets like an 89th minute goal. So I mean, it's just, it's it's all around disappointing. It's unfortunate. And here's the other thing, guys. They've played eight matches now since Qatar against teams that are ranked higher than them. Their record is one win, one draw, and six losses. Seven goals scored, 18 conceded. Like, if you're going to do better beyond CONCACAF, which is their region, you have to start beating these other teams. And that's where the concern is for me, is that eight teams they've played since the World Cup that are ranked higher than them, and it's an abysmal record. Yeah, not uh, good. Now, uh, Mario Belio is the interim coach. He wants to be the permanent head coach. Now, I know it's only uh, one result, but what do you what do you make of this? And is he kind of on the job training in your eyes or auditioning? It would be a better word. Oh, yeah. I mean, he flat out said he's like, I want this gig. I mean, he's obviously he's been with the Canadian national team for a few years now as an assistant. And he has fully said, like, I want this job. It's I mean, it's tough for him because when John Herdman left to go to Toronto, see, he also took everybody with him. Mm -hmm. Like he took all of his staff with him, with the exception of Mauro Biello. Like I'm talking from assistants to goalkeeper coach to video coach to, to trainers. Like Herdman took everyone. So Mauro at the same time is sitting here going, okay, like I also might myself have to start from scratch with my own coaching staff. Um, and I mean, it's, it's disappointing again, that result, but I guess the good news is that it's a friendly two massive matches are coming up mid November in nations league. So this matters because of course they want to be able to qualify for nations league final again, but this year, because they're also one of the three teams hosting the world cup, yeah. they don't have to go through qualifying which means every competition or tournament that they're in matters for preparation. So Nations League acts as a qualifier to the South American tournament called Copa America. So this is where you can go up against some heavy hitters, right? Like Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay. So these two games really matter for Canada's positioning in that Nations League group. So this is where Mauro's going to have to kind of pull up the socks a little bit as well with the players too and try to get the best out of them because he is only the interim yep. until the end of the year from what we're told, right? Because they're not going to hire a new coach until they get a new general secretary. And we've been told that's going to happen by the end of the year. So really he just has like a three game audition. Talk about pressure, but you know, these two ones in, in, in November are really going to matter. Andy, I want to take the conversation to the CPL. So, Kunle mm. Dadaluk. I hope I'm saying that name right. And I know he's yeah, in the because he got Kunle. <laughs> is that how you say it? Yeah. He's suspended for, for two games, which would be the end, the rest of the season, essentially. Yeah. Um, what happened there? And do you think that's a little extreme? 
So I just want to preface this by saying it takes a lot to offend me. So maybe some other people found it a suspendable offense. I think what he did was an offense, but I think it was worthy of a fine. So it was the wrestling move, right? Where you kind of gesture towards the nether regions type of thing, right? So that's the wrestling. I don't even know what the name of it is. I'm sure there's some WWE fans out there who will, uh, you know, pipe in very quickly. Yeah, but it was the, the, so de- it was at the de- end of the game. Andy, it was D de- Degeneration de- X is the actual move. That's it. Okay. There you go. So there you go. You know it. And that's what he did to the fans of Halifax. So he plays for Pacific. It was a one nil victory. It was massive for them because they had just played at home on the West Coast. Yep. Uh, beat a team, beat York United, and then did a cross country journey to Halifax. So that game was on the Wednesday night, played again on the Saturday after cross-country journey. So they're amped up, they're jacked because all the odds are are stacked against them because Halifax is waiting for them. They pull off this victory. Halifax fans are incredible, by the way. And they were on him. Like, they were on everybody all game long. So when the whistle goes and they win, like a little bit of his emotion come out. He does that gesture. Halifax players don't like it. There's a big brouhaha. I love the, any opportunity to use that word. And there's two red cards, and he gets one of them. So now there's two games left. If they win their next one, their semifinal game next week, they go to the final. He's out. Yeah. And I just I don't know how I don't know how I feel about that, guys. Because if you do any kind of we know, and we've seen this obviously in many sports, the NHL being one, you do a throat slash, like it's a suspension. You do any kind of threatening thing like that. You do any kind of racial gesture to me, that's a suspension. But other ones, I'm like, where do you kind of draw the line between suspension and and fine? Again, it's an offense. It's kind of crude. So fine him. But I also think, like, these are the playoffs. And, like, now you've just lost. And, by the way, he's a key player. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying, like, non-key players don't matter. But kind of key players matter. Yeah. Right? Like, he's a, starting, he's a starting 11. Like, this guy matters. And now they've lost him for the remainder of the playoffs. I just... And then to me, and I know this may sound like a cop-out to a lot of people, but it's like, once again, you're trying to grow the CPL. You're trying to make sure all the best players are always in there. Like, I'm not saying, again, don't find him, but, like, for him to be gone for the rest of the playoffs, I'm just kind of like, what are you doing? I don't know. It's just, I, I personally don't care for it. I don't know, Terry, if anyone's ever done that in the NHL. Like, I don't know. There's been stuff that's been said and done. We know this, right? But, like, sometimes, like, what's that threshold? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sticking on CPL. Should Calgary be worried with their recent loss to Hamilton, uh, given that Calgary finished the regular season in first place, didn't they? So, yeah. I mean, and this is the thing. Like, Calgary was the top dog. They had an incredible regular season. Um, Not only did they win the regular season title, but they also just entered into the playoffs on a high. And not only do they struggle in the playoffs, but they in particular struggle against that Hamilton side forge. So it was kind of like the only thing that could really beat Cavalry, and not that I want to take anything away from Forge, but is themselves, like in between the ears. And then what do you know? Forge ends up scoring first, and you could tell that Cavalry just couldn't get over it. So it ends up being a 2-1 loss. Um, But because they were the top team, that game, they now have to go and play Pacific. And like I just said, Pacific's feeling good. They beat York. They beat Halifax. So they're feeling pretty good about themselves going to this Cavalry game. Now they will be without, you know, Data Luke. And that's pretty, that's a pretty big loss for Pacific. But if I'm Cavalry, I just, again, and this is where I know a couple of weeks ago when we chatted about winning the regular season and then having to go and win the title, 
I just think if they don't go and win the title, Cavalry, like, it almost feels like the regular season title was, mm, eh, right? Like, it's, a, it's just, it's a bitter way to end the year. It's a sour taste in your mouth. So I, I, I do think that they have to be really careful here because they're a little down and out. So they need to get out from between their ears and uh, they need to figure out how to beat Pacific, which then would mean a rematch against Forge. <laughs> Andy Petrillo joins us from uh, One Soccer and uh, CBC. I did like your uh, your viewpoint to me. Like Generation X, like anybody who's a wrestling fan knows it's, you know what, that that's part of sport. People have seen it a thousand times. If you want to give them a fine, I can live with that. But to me, that that's way over the top for a suspension at that time of the mm-hmm. year. I, I just think it's, it, it to me, it's, it's a little bit of the uh, overly sensitive police, and I think that happens too often sometimes, and uh, I definitely am mm-hmm. not for it. Now, I do kind of want to go uh, full circle with you, and I know we touched on this a while ago about uh, Christine Sinclair, because here we are, you know what, you're looking ahead mm-hmm. to the Olympics and, you know, the kind of the matchups, and we talked about those upcoming games that are so crucial for the men. What about the women? They got anything up? Like, mm-hmm. what, uh, what should we be watching for there? Yeah, they've got two uh, the two friendlies coming up, October 28th and October 31st. So get your kitties out and do your trick-or-treating and then go home and watch a nice game because they'll be playing in Montreal on the 28th and then they'll be playing in uh, Halifax on the 31st. And I think there, there's another um, FIFA window, and I'm sure they'll announce that as well, like they'll be playing in early December. But this is great. I mean, the Canadian women, if you recall, back in August, they did put out a letter and they said that Canada Soccer was going to be honouring all the windows, the FIFA windows that were granted to the women, and they were going to fill them with games. And it appears that that's happening. Okay. Um, it's kind of gone mum a little bit, Jason. So if I were to give like my expert opinion, and what I mean by mum was, you know, last time we spoke when the women qualified for the Olympics and they beat Jamaica, Christine Sinclair was, you know, visibly sad after that game. And based on what Bev Priestman, the, the coach, said after the match as well, it didn't sound like it was a guarantee Christine Sinclair was going to stick around for the mm-hmm. Paris 2024 Olympics. So I'm guessing we're going to hear something before those montreal halifax games and it could be that she will be but it could be that she won't be uh, at the olympics but i have a feeling we're gonna have our answer by the 28th for sure and even if she is there you don't expect her to be a starter do you uh no i i I wouldn't expect her to be a starter um i mean this this is somebody who can still obviously contribute i mean in fact she just played uh, the, the National Women's Soccer League. I'm so sorry, Terry. I'm so distracted by your cat right now, who is so awesome. Like, what is happening over there? <laughs> I was like, she is, is it a she or he? Because they're very loving. She. Oh, Princess. She is adorable. Princess. Yes. Um, now I lost my... Oh, yeah. So, in the NWSL, they just had their decision day. She played the full 90. Yeah. So, in the pro game, this is somebody who still, like, contributes a lot. But I would say at the international level, Jason, she's she's definitely an impact because we, we kind of call them impact players now. Yep. Bench players, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say she, if if she were to be in Paris. No, I, I wouldn't think she'd be a starter. Awesome. Andy, great stuff as always. Great to talk to you. Uh, have a good week. We'll chat with you next Monday. See you, Andy. All right. Thanks for having me. That is uh, Andy Petrillo from uh, CBC and, of course, uh, One Soccer. I really like her take on. It. I thought I thought they were way over the board. Like, come on here, it's oh. uh, any and I don't know. Like, maybe be, maybe I'm desensitized because I've seen it in, in wrestling all the time. But that is not something you should be suspended for. 
in pro sports. I'm sorry. Like, you want to fine him and say he shouldn't do it? 100%. But I don't, that's, to me, that's not a suspendable offense. And the stakes involved, it's unfortunate. Ugh. For a league that's trying to make some ground and compete with other leagues and other sports, it's hard to grab the, the, uh, the attention of the, the average sports fan who's already you know, set in the sports they watch. Totally. And when they watch them and the leagues they watch. And it's a great league, you know, and they need all the exposure that they can get. And because of something so silly and trivial, I don't know, and both games too. The end. Nothing. Don't no. talk. You're gone. You can't possibly come back. I mean, how to take – I'm not saying ever that certain players need to be given a, 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 a better favorable treatment, I guess, in this situation. I, I, I really am normally not for that. I'm certainly not saying that if anybody else did it, they should have been suspended for two games. Yeah. I just think it, it's way too much. And it's magnified when it's someone that needs to play the game to promote it uh, from a business perspective and a fan excitement perspective. Yeah. I, to me, somebody just they, they reached way too far in the discipline. Two games. Give me a break. Uh, Gregor and Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation. YouTube uh, will return. Uh, we have uh, Mark Spector coming up. Uh, also, we'll hear from uh, Kevin Woodley and more on the Jason Gregor Show Presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca. Oh, this is a great tune as well. Welcome back, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley with you. Sports 1440 coming to you live from the Ewell studio. Stop in on Thursday as they are having their uh, grand opening for all their uh, uh, clients, customers, and also any Sports 1440 listener wants to stop in. They got uh, free lunch. Outside, they're giving away all sorts of great prizes. Stop in on 186th Street to 116th Avenue this Thursday, 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. So uh, check it out, ewel.ca for all your electrical needs. Now, uh, we have lots and lots of texts coming in, 401-1440. Of course, uh, 833-401-1440. Hey guys, I'm wondering uh, why people would say the orders would be in a better spot come the trade deadline with no one on LTR. Can you explain what benefits the orders have this year, considering we only have a few hundred thousand in cap space? That one comes from uh, BD. Well, uh, here's here's how it works. So they can, if they don't go into LTIR, let's just stay. It starts, they had, I think, 340K or whatever it was when the season began. You accrue cap space every day you're not in LTR. So it builds up. And by the time you would get to the trade deadline, essentially they could add, without having to retain salary or anything, you could add a player who had about a cap hit of 1.5 mil. That's how the accrued cap space. You build up more space as the season goes along when you're not in LTIR. Now, if the orders have an injury that requires someone to be out for more than a month, or sorry, I should say more than 24 days, then they go in LTR, and so for those 24 days, they wouldn't be able to accrue any cap space. But then the minute they're out of LTR, then they start accruing it again. And so that's how it works. So let's say, you know, somebody's going to be in LTR for a little bit. Let's just say by the end they got a million dollars in cap space. Now, obviously, you can make some trades. you got to move pieces out. We saw that with Tyler, uh, with Tyson Berry, right? We've seen that in other years when you add a legacy in and different things like that. But accruing cap space will allow them to actually have more cap space than they have had right now, right? So it's not going to be 300000 You accrue it, and then the cap hit of the players around 1.5. I could do the – it might even be 1.7. I'd have to double-check the exact math on it, but that's that's kind of how it works. So hopefully uh, that explains it for you. 
So they, they do have a little bit more cap flexibility. It's not a massive amount, but considering uh, very few teams do, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not bad. Hey, guys, I'm curious uh, what TR's thoughts are on uh, Darnell Nurse's play. TR? Yeah, I just think mistakes. I think he's really talented. Um, remember what you, I was thinking about something, though, after we just spoke about the tough part of the game and, and me as a forward going in front of the net. I think maybe he could be a little bit tougher in front of there. I, I know he is sometimes. I don't mean like cross-checking somebody and taking a penalty. Sometimes sometimes there's good penalties and sometimes there's bad penalties. Yes. And even if it's a good penalty, I mean like some of those goals, you know, like – and that goes for all of them, but you're asking me about Nurse specifically. He's a big, imposing guy. He's he's this generation's, when I just spoke about Pronger and Surrey or whatever, I mean, he's got it in him to be that guy now, so make people pay. I think I would just, um, what's the word, bear down a bit and, and not just with the puck in front of the net. It's fair you say that. Because I think at times when I watch him in front of the net, Terry, I'd like to see better positioning to use the six foot four, two hundred twenty five pound frame to his advantage, is that fair? I think that's really well said. And some of those, some of those penalty kill goals, you couldn't really put your finger on it. But you were you were asking me about earlier that we didn't really get back to. Exactly, it's it's, and I know that's a penalty kill, but still, he seems to be in the wrong position at times. And that, uh, I I still think he's a premier defenseman, though I really do. Uh, but those things, I would definitely. Focus on and tighten up a little bit. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Good answer. I think it's one, uh, you know, there's, it's little pieces. It's not like massive, but game of inches. And if all of a sudden, like the, the read on the, on the two on no breakaway, you just, there's no reason to make it. I'm sorry. There's zero reason. Now I get that you don't want the guy to miss the net from there, but you don't need five people in the zone that low anyway. But I also think that at that point, there's a sign of a team frustrated with no goals five on five. And so now guys start pressing, and they're like, oh, I got to do more. And the minute you try to do more, usually that's when you get bit even harder. It's over. Yeah, like I said, squeezing the stick. We've all been there, right? And I don't necessarily he was try, think he was trying to be a hero or selfish. I don't. It, it would appear, oh, he's being so selfish. No, I think they're just pressing. They're like, we're the Oilers. You know, we got to score one of these times. And you overthink it, right? I mean, you know, with the sample size with Nurse is huge. And I know that sometimes people overreact, but he is a premier defenseman, and that doesn't normally happen. Yeah, so he, it's when he makes the error, it's he has a propensity to make the big one, and that's he'll make because the rest of the game, Darnell Nurse was excellent, but then there's one mistake, and it's a and it's kind of like the old adage I tell my my son, hey, you're gonna make mistakes, try to keep them at threes and fours out of tens, not tens, and that was a ten mistake. Right? Because if he – now, like I said, Terry, even if he's in the right position, then it's still a two-on-one, right? And so they might have scored on a two-on-one, we'll never know. But at least it's not a two-on-oh. And the odds of scoring on a two-on-oh are infinitely higher than they are scoring on a two-on-one. And so you, there was no reason to pinch at that point. There was not, And it's not even a pinch. Pinch is the wrong word. There was no point in, in jumping up into the offensive, though, that low at that time of the game when you already had one defenseman in there. You didn't meet both of you. It just doesn't – it was unnecessary. There, there was no the, – the risk for reward ratio was just way too high to even, uh, even contemplate doing it. So, good question. Yeah, I um, – and just to add to that, look, you, 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 you have – you had the experiment with Tyson Barry – that's high risk, high reward. You know there's going to be some giveaways. You don't need that from a guy that's supposed to be solid back there. That's all. Yeah. 
Hey, guys, I'm a Maritime fan, and I think it's wonderful. I think Halifax would be a great place for an NHL expansion team. Um, well, I don't think they have an arena. Well, their arena's pretty big, but I don't think it's NHL big. And I'm... I'm not sure there's enough population, Ter. Now you would you would know better, right? Traveling all around, like it would have to be like a Maritimes team, right? It wouldn't just be Halifax, right? It would all it'd have to be all the Maritime. And I know they're they're highly passionate. Do you think there's enough fans to support the price tag of NHL hockey for 41 days a year? Um, you know, I. I I hope so. It's possible, but I don't know. I just think there's it's the NHL's after money. There's more. There's bigger markets out there, and there's more corporate money other places. And I, I look. I'd love it. Obviously, a team mm. in Atlantic Canada. I think it'd be a hit. I think it'd go over. You know, Halifax. Like you said, you got to come with a new rink, right? Halifax reminds me of Kamloops. It's a really top-notch uh, junior, junior city that really supports it. They sell out. They got a nice rink for junior. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think people would support it. Again, you're gonna be, the population. You'd have to. Yeah, I didn't look. No, I don't. I. It'd be awesome. I don't think it's it's gonna happen. No, I think there's too many other markets with too many, with 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 bigger populations and with a lot more corporate money. Uh, so look, I'd love to see it, but I think it's I think we're fine. We're we're finding the Atlantic provinces with major junior, and that's. That seems to be what uh, people are interested in and really support, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. I think that's a valid, honest answer. It's uh, It would be great, but uh, probably not uh, not realistic at, at this point. So, hey, boys, isn't the glaring issue on the Oilers' goaltending? I'm wondering how hard the Oilers were trying to add Hellebuck. Do you think the Oilers need to look at option for another starting goalie from Rice? Well, again, it's two games, and uh, goaltending definitely is a factor. There's no question about it when you have a 750 save percentage through two games. And, you know, Stuart Skinner's got the 750 through a uh, game and a half of that. Um, but two games, and, and here's the truth. How many available go- Well, there's no available goalies now that are going to be any better. So let's just make that clear, right? Maybe come the deadline, you could look at one. And and it's funny, the one team who maybe would consider it, when I look at, like, if because if you're going to trade for a goalie, then you got to go out there and you got to look at one that you think is going to be a difference maker for your team for a few years, and you'd have to pay a heavy price to get it. But the guy in Nashville, Yuso, UC Saros, right? So he's 28 years of age. He makes $5 million this year, and he makes $5 million next year, and then he's a UFA. The Nashville Predators are a young team. They're kind of rebuilding. Uh, now, maybe Soros wants to stay there, but maybe he might look and say, man, I, you know what? I'd like to go somewhere where we have a little bit more offense. I think I can take care of my own zone. If there's one guy I'd go, and hey, you're going to have to back up the Brinks truck probably to get him, but he's only got one year remaining. He's got a bargain deal. So that's the guy to go after. To me, would be UC Soros. Uh, if that trade happens, it's not happening until January or February, uh, maybe right up until the trade deadline. But that's the guy. Um, you know, I know some people have said Allmark in Boston and maybe, but I, I look at Boston, they got two goalies. Do they want to trade one or the other? I don't know. Maybe, um, Allmark, you know, he's a UFA, he's the exact same boat as Saros. So I could say that except he's two years older. Right. And I think UC Saros has had a longer track record of success. So if it was me and I'm going for it, well, then I'm going to try to get the best one. And I think UC Saros, they traded away Ekholm. To me, that's the sign that Nashville's looking to retool. 
Maybe not go full rebuild because they got a first. You know, they got two, basically two first and Tyson Berry, who they think they can trade again at the deadline. I think it'd be UC Saros, TR, no question in my mind. I hate to agree with you here, but I've I've thought about this. Someone asked me that on my own podcast, and I, I think as well, like right now. But the other thing is that a lot more teams are predicting that they're going to be better than, like everybody can't make the playoffs, and like yes. 21, 22 teams think they are going to, if not more. So I think it'll present itself. Like you said, it's a, either way, it's a long way away. To me, it's at least after Christmas. But I'll tell you, the leash is starting to get a little – like I was always confident with Campbell and, and, and Skinner – the leash is starting to get, I won't say alarming, but it's getting shorter with me for sure as a fan, as my wants and needs as a fan of the Oilers. I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I've never really been so unsure. But uh, I still I, I still think, and to me, I don't know why, I think Skinner's going to come out on top there. Um, man, I love Jack Campbell. I really do. His attitude, he's humble. He seems to be a great teammate, but... I just there's there's a lot of holes when you look at him, and the in, the consistently inconsistent really kind of gets me. And uh, Stuart Skinner, even though he's from Edmonton, there's a lot of reasons to go with him. He's he, for me, he's given more reasons to go with him than not. It's just there. Eek. I'm not quite sold on him yet. I'm just not quite sold. But no matter what, it'll happen in four or five months from now. Yes, I think uh, both. There's an addition by both. To, to see what happens with the goaltending. Um, you, you, there's no trade coming tomorrow. There's no trade coming next week. So they got to figure it out. They got to play better. Team defense has got to be better as well. And and not so much overall team defense, just a glaring error, which is like a broken record from last October, November. And then they figured it out. And then, of course, it reared its ugly head again in the playoffs. That is the number one thing I said at the start of the year. The number one thing the orders have to improve on is eliminating the glaring mistake. Once that happens, and once they're committed to it, they're going to be a legit contender. Like, legit contender. Because a lot of times they still beat themselves with, you know, errors. You know, that nurse one's a prime example. The owners had all control of that game. And then, boom, you make a five-man uh, aggressive zone entry. Why? There was no reason for him to do that. Again, it might have been a two-on-one. They still might have scored. But you're still giving yourself a better chance to not have the opposition score. And that's something that uh, they got to get wired into their brain and i think that's that's a good teaching moment it's a good teaching moment to show that up and say guys just explain to me why you're thinking this is the right time to do this it's not the right time be patient we're killing them in puck possession we haven't given up anything so just be patient and that's what they have to learn quick break we'll come back we have uh, five questions and more jason gregor terry ryan connor Halley with you on sports 1440 and live and orders nation youtube oh, oh. house of pain baby jump around Go. Kill it. One you know what? Hey. ever, man. Still stands. Oh, it's still. St- like, to me, if I'm a player, I'm having a goal song right away. Boom. That gets the house going. You have your individual goal songs, which, by the way, TR are getting more popular around the league. More and more teams are doing it. I think it's only a matter of time before most of the teams uh, get involved. But Winnipeg, Buffalo, there's quite a few other teams that are doing it. I think it's fantastic. And uh, that's uh, definitely one that would be uh, an option. If I uh, if I was a player today, there's hey you got to do what's good for you for sure. But you want something that's gonna get the uh, get the people singing, get the people going. They're obviously excited. They just the team just scored, so it's gonna be good. The only time that would suck is if it's like the six one goal and a six one loss. Like that would kind of be terrible. But oh well, still be all right. Let's get to uh, five questions now. Brought to you by the Brick. Where uh, right now at The Brick, they're committed to saving you more. The Brick's lowest price guarantee. You can shop with confidence 
that you're getting the lowest prices. If you find the same price somewhere else, the brick will match that price. Find it out at the brick and the brick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger show. All right, guys, question number one for you today. Right now, the 0-2 Oilers. Uh, what is the biggest problem with, from what you've seen, and how is it corrected? You going to go, Jay? You want me to go first? Go ahead, TR. Well, I mean, those defensive mistakes, we've kind of beaten this horse already, but I'm just going to say squeezing their sticks. I think they're way better than they've let on, and they're getting better. Like I said, it's almost, to me, one big six-period game and they're 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 turning the corner. Um for me the biggest problem is they need to commit to eliminating the big error. Cuz that's what kills them. Like look at the shots on goal, look at the territorial advantage, look at every statistic in that game. They're murdering Vancouver. But one bad mistake, one bad decision, boom it ends up. And I've said this for a while. How many easy goals do the orders get? How many easy goals do they give up? I think we both know the answer. The last one is much higher. Change that. It'll be much easier to win. Question number two. Uh, if the practice lines holds up, are you a fan of McDavid and Drysettle being reunited? I have no issue with it for a few reasons. Number one, McDavid doesn't have a point five on five in two games. And I know it's the greatest player on the planet, but you don't want that to extend into three games. You just don't. And so when you play him with Drysettle, what, and here's the thing. When they play together, they have the puck more. Both of them. That's what McDavid thinks. So get the puck on the best players uh, in the leagues, stick more. That's a benefit. You're playing against Nashville, who you know Drysaddle's walking in. He looks at that net, and he's like, oh, my goodness, I see openings all over the place. The guy's been scoring for fun against them. So um, as strange as it sounds, it's early in the year. You want to get some mojo going um, for your best players because that just becomes infectious for everybody else. Uh, all of a sudden, the orders get a lead or two, and now the other team's playing from behind. They open it up, and now your third line gets an odd man rush. So I have no problem with it. At all, I think the orders have enough depth that they can score. Because if, if you can't score because McDavid and Drysdale are together, you got bigger problems. Yeah, I, I'm almost never upset with that call. I think you know you you got two of these players that are so good. You're putting them together. You had no depth whatsoever. I like what you said earlier, though, Jason. I didn't think about it. That right hand shot on that fourth line center. That that, that obviously is something that probably will happen. I hadn't thought about all those left shots, but. In any case, I just think they have enough depth anyway. You know, we're, we're talking, uh, we're splitting hairs when you get down to the last guys. I think McDavid, Dreisaitl together can't be a bad thing for whatever situation it is. Question number three. Uh, in honor of Austin Matthews and his hot start, I want to ask you guys both this question. Who are your top three pure goal scorers in the NHL, one through three? Man, so pure goal scorers. I mean, I, I can't. I can't look past McDavid having 60-odd last year. I just can't. Now, if you're talking pure, like back in the day when people would say, well, you know, Brett Hull's more pure than Wayne Gretzky, and Gretzky would beat him by 20, even though Hull would get 70-something. You know, pure, okay, if, if, if we're taking that graceful, finesse, McDavid speed out of it, I'd go Pasternak, Ovechkin, and Matthews. But I'm serious. I'm putting McDavid in there second, I guess. I think Matthews has been the best scorer over the last few years. And I don't think Dreisaitl is far off, but you're asking me for three. Matthews, McDavid, Ovechkin. There you go. It's hard not to have the grade eight in, but like because the grade eight is going to be the greatest of all time. But uh, over the last four years, he actually has the sixth most goals in the league. 
Uh, Austin Matthews, to me, if we're just talking score, he's the best score. He has the most goals in that time period, and he's also played 20 fewer games than McDavid has. So, um, you know what, he scores more. Uh, doesn't mean he's a better player. The question was who's a better goal scorer. But uh, then I would have uh, Drysaddle followed by McDavid. Leon Drysaddle can one-time the puck. Um, you know, he scored the garbage goal the other day. He'll get around the net. Um, he scores from a lot of different ways. Um, he's He's got three 50-goal seasons already. I think McDavid has learned how to become a better goal scorer. You ask me uh, at this time next year, he might be number two. But uh, right now I'll have Matthews, Drysaddle, McDavid. Question number four. All right now up at PlayAlberta.ca. The Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Chargers for Monday Night Football. And the over-under set at 50.5. Uh, where's the smart money going tonight for you guys? What do you think, Jay? Well, the uh, Connors Chargers, now they're at home. Um, the Cowboys have been really Jekyll and Hyde this year. And I think the Chargers are actually starting to play better. And they're getting Austin Eckler. So if I get two and a half points, I'm taking the uh, the Chargers at home. I'm taking the Chargers as well. And I think it's going to be uh, over 50. 50.5, is that the over-under? I think it's going to be a shootout for a few reasons, but I'm looking forward to it, and I've got the Chargers as well in a shootout. I hope it is, man, and I hope Eckler's getting some big yards. Chargers yeah, at me home. Too, for my pool. <laughs> More Cowboys fans will be there than Chargers fans, though. That's my uh, prediction for this yeah. one. Question number five. We'll wrap it up with this. Tim Robbins turning 65 years old today. He's been in many movies, uh, including The Shawshank Redemption, one that uh, I have to watch whenever it's on TV. So, Give me a movie that whenever you see it on TV, you just have to watch it. So, speaking of and closely related, I just watched, since I talked to you last, you guys, I yep. watched uh, the Alien series, front, front, all of them. I just watched all of them. I got in a mode, three a day, Saturday, Sunday, and then <laughs> the other two on Monday. Or, or, or Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Uh, so, I really enjoyed those. I didn't realize they were so good the First two are absolute classics, but you didn't ask that. You asked what's on TV, what I would watch every time. Either one of the three spaghetti westerns, Sergio Leone, Clint Eastwood, Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Whew, I like it. Um, there's a few uh, for me. Uh, any of the Bournes, I love the Bourne identities. I'm all over those, and they're on quite often. Uh, Forrest Gump, without question. And Shawshank cons, it's hard to top Shawshank, man, because uh, and, and here's here's probably that this is one right now for Oiler fans. Red spoke directly to Oiler fans when this movie uh, came out. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. Terry, and I think Oiler fans right now, it's only two games. And the, trust me, the season will be fine. But think about it. You're an Oiler fan. You spend all summer. You're like, all right, you know what? Things are good. Uh, Ekholm's going to be here all year long. Yeah, you know, Skinner second year. We got McDavid. We got Drodicell. We got Kane and Nugent Hopkins and Hyman and yada, yada, yada. And they start 0-2. And it literally can drive people insane. It's a, it's one of the greatest quotes. And I know that they're in jail, which is obviously you're not in jail, right? Like your life, as bad as it is when the orders lose, you're not in jail. So I would think your life is better, right? But it, it just, it feels that way. And that's the one, line, like, there's so many good ones in that movie, man. But that one is, like, that one's obviously right at the top, right? That uh, um, there, there's just so, um, so many good things, right? But then, because Andy's, Andy's counter to, uh, to the hope was when he said, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Like, gosh, it's so many good lines from that movie, man. So 
Cons, it's a great question because there's a few of them that, man, anytime they come on, I'm watching. And it's funny. And, and so I asked this question, TR, and so I'll ask it to you. if Because my wife believes that, and so maybe it's her own experience, that she goes, I know guys will re-watch movies quite often. It's a movie you've seen. I'm like, oh, I got to watch that again. And she's like, she doesn't do it. She talks to her girlfriends. Not there's not they don't rewatch a lot of things. And I'm like, really? Come on, there's got to be some. So in your experience, and the women in your life, do you find that's the same that they don't like my wife? Like, nah, eh, I've already seen that. Like, now she'll watch an episode of Schitt's Creek or The Office. She loves that, but not a whole movie. And that's why. Well, honey, that's why I can quote movies, and you can't because you never watch it more than once. Yeah, it's funny. It's yeah, I've had this conversation. I had and and look, I'm not, I'm not trying to agree with you with everything you say, but I've had it with girlfriends and wives, and I I don't know I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's that I'm just maybe you do watch the same you you'd like to watch them. It's just that the movies we're watching maybe I prefer them, but I a lot of again not just girls I've been with, but a lot of people when I ask them that question because I do rewatch a lot, you know I guess if the point is just to see what happens, then. There's no point watching it again. But to yeah. be honest, I hear The Sixth Sense I watched the other day again with Penny Lane. Um, you know, and that's obvious. I mean, why even start it? You know exactly <laughs> once it happens, it happens. Yeah. But I just find there's a lot more to it. You get to see the nuances of, you know, I, I don't want to sound like some uh, pompous film buff either. But I like to, that movie Shawshank Redemption, for example, let's just say that one. Yeah. The directing's great. The situation is something like we identify with. So it really hits home because everybody identifies. The jail can be metaphorical. You know, you'd, like you just said, I mean, you, you can have anything as your jail and that hope and, and, and determination and, and, and stick to You know, all of those things can be incorporated into an everyday life situation. And the acting's great. I mean, why do we watch movies? You know, Andy Dufresne, uh, his whole story, it's not just that. It's Tim Robbins playing the character. It's, um, oh, God, what's his name? Morgan uh, Freeman. Morgan Freeman. And I tell you what, you know what? A lot of people don't know. I'll, I'll end with a little bit of music or movie trivia. But the guy who plays, uh, what's his name? The, the, he loves the birds, the older guy. Oh, uh, Red. No, not Red. Um, not oh, Red. What's his name? And God, he's funny. He had on here. What was here? Gosh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Brooks. 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 So that's Sheb Woolley. And he, he was a musician in the 60s. He had... His big hit was a novelty hit called One Eyed, One Horn, Purple People Eater. But he was he, he did have more what? that's what he's That's his song? Yeah, that's Sheb Woolley. Yeah, he's a big musician. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't just a novelty musician. That was just the, that, you know, like it happens a lot, you know. I don't know, the Macarena or Teenage Mutant Ninja a, a lot of songs end One up overlapping wonder. and crossing over into the into the top forty world at that time. Mm -hmm. And anyway, Sheb Woolley. But he was known for a lot of music, not just that. Sheb? Well, that's a sick name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. TR, always like the random knowledge, buddy. It's great. It's fantastic. Uh, great stuff today. Uh, enjoy it. When we talk to you next, will the Oilers have a victory? They're in Nashville tomorrow. Will they have their first win of the season? Or will we, uh, we be asking you to lay down on the couch and do a sports psychology therapy? Session. Well, I've already made the bet that they're going to win, so I guess from my perspective, the answer is yes, full steam ahead. <laughs> I have no doubt. All right, uh, there you go. Uh, TR, we'll chat with you on Thursday. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Connor. Thank you, Edmonton. Talk soon. That is uh, Terry Ryan, our weekly Monday and uh, Thursday. Yeah, I did not know that little bit of uh, musical trivia. Nice. Awesome. Uh, when we come back, uh, Speck is in Nashville. He will uh, join us. He's probably just sweating bullets. It is hot.
always hot in uh, Nashville as we get to a sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. What's always hot right now is the deals. They got a great deal on all compact BX tractors. 0% financing for 84 months. Stop in now, 156th Street, or shop online at EdmontonKubota.com. This is a sports 1440 update. Week 6 NFL wrapping up tonight as the Chargers hosting the Dallas Cowboys kickoff 615. You can join me at the Fort Saskatchewan Canadian Brewers for a chance to qualify for a trip for two to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. The Oilers, they are off tonight. Ahead of their matchup with the Preds tomorrow. Five games on the ice, though. You got Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks traveling to Toronto to take on Austin Matthews and the Leafs. Also, Devils host the Panthers. Coyotes in New York taking on the Rangers. Capitals host the Flames and the Red Wings taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Major League Baseball tonight. Right now, the Rangers leading the Astros 5-3. That's in the bottom of the seventh. The Rangers have a one nothing series lead in that one. And at 6.07, the Phillies taking on the Diamondbacks in game one of the NLCS. We're just one game in the AJ tonight. Calgary hosting White Court. That one's starting at 7. Coming up in hour four of the Jason Greger Show, we'll be joined by Mark Spector of Rogers Sportsnet and Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine. I'm Connor Halley. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.